What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Watch from Mercury. This is a Mobile Suit Gundam Witch from Mercury watch along podcast. As you may know, Witch from Mercury is on a break between seasons. So, right now, we are watching Mobile Suit Gundam 08 MS Team. Spoilers for everything season one, Witch from Mercury, and uh, episodes one through four of 08 MS Team. Uh, I am your host, Maxim. And I am your host, Alex. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah we're still us you just finished you just finished a classic giant robot show last night didn't you i did i just finished the tv series uh, neon genesis evangelion and um you know uh if you have depression it'll flare it it will uh <laughs> and then i got to the all the way to the end and i'm like oh now i'm just angry this feels better i guess <laughs> i'm gonna watch the the end of evangelion movie tonight which apparently will make me sad again but at least i'll stop being angry (laughs) i think i'm in an abusive relationship with a tv show yeah uh do the cartoons make you cry (laughs) yes yes the cartoons hurt your feelings (laughs) yes i dude i can't i'm trying to think was oh you know what the last anime that really hit me in the feels was uh cyberpunk edge runners that one that was good Ooh, 10 episodes and the end is just pure pain pure yeah. tears yeah. <laughs> really and good love, and i love when an anime can make me cry this just aggressively makes you feel bad and i'm fine with that too artistically but the way that i did it i thought was not good um yeah and which again <laughs> i can't talk about because it would destroy everything and you haven't watched it yet but <laughs> when we make our dark underbelly uh sad mobile suit <laughs> podcast about evangelion then we'll then we'll talk hell yeah <clears throat> So, guys, uh, we're not here to talk about uh, skinny purple mechs. We're here to talk about short white mechs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that look actually not terrifying because they're <laughs> creepy looking things, those Avas. So we got um, we got some listener mail this week, guys. Um, if you want to say something you want to write in, it's watchformmercury at gmail.com. Send us whatever, your theories, your beef, anything we got, anything we missed. Uh, you can also send in Gunpla Horror Stories. We're going to save those for a bonus episode. Anything you write in about Witch from Mercury will be held on to until the season premiere of season two of Witch from Mercury. But yeah, watchformmercury at gmail.com. Write in. Uh, so our first one, we have a email from Lexi. Subject, Gundams in my Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hi there long time listener but first time writing in the witch from mercury is my first experience with the gundam fran- franchise i absolutely loved it so i figured that the break before season two was a great opportunity opportunity to dive into some of the older shows i already finished iron blood blooded orphans but seeing you guys dive into zero eight ms team inspired me to dig into the uc as well so i can watch along every week Hell yeah. We have someone that's truly watching along. (laughs) Yeah. It truly was a watch from Mercury. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) What what impresses me about this is, uh, one, that we are watching a 20-year-old anime one episode per week when we could very easily just binge the whole thing. Yeah, (laughs) and that we're like, everyone be nice and don't spoil it for Alex because we're doing these one at a time. yeah so this person is watching it weekly which is amazing so thank you thank you lexi for watching happy to have you as a viewer um next she says with zero eighth ms team obviously taking inspiration from vietnam i find it interesting that the earth federation is visually styled like the american forces yet they are also the side working with the native guerrilla unit in episode three it makes sense of course that the earth citizens would help 
Earth's military in this scenario, but it's still a funny clash of what the art direction suggests and then what happens in the narrative. That is really interesting. Because, like, obviously we worked with the South Vietnamese, but, like, the classic image of the Viet Cong is the, you know, soldier in the jungle that's got nothing and yet Mm -hmm. they still manage to win. So it it is interesting that this show very much wants you to recognize that it is playing with the iconography, but also kind of twists what the iconography kind of means. I think that's cool. Yeah, this is this takes place in an alternate timeline where the Vietnam War was America and the Viet Cong versus the Nazis. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's the version of Vietnam that we wouldn't have been entirely evil for doing. Right. Um, yeah, so next, uh, regardless, I don't know about you guys, but the mass-produced Gundam used by the MS team in this show is easily one of my favorite designs from the UC so far, probably only rivaled by the new Gundam from Char's Counterattack, in my opinion. Keep up the great work. Listening to you two talk about Gundam every week reminds me why I immediately got hooked into this franchise with G-Witch, and, natu- and you naturally bounce off each other in a way that always keeps the conversation engaging to listen to. Alexis. Thank you. Thank you, Alexis, so much for writing in. I really appreciate the kind words. And, um, yeah, I'd say the Gundam ground type is definitely one of the best of the early UC. Yeah, it's a definitely, it's an improvement on Amaro's. I like Amaro's just fine, but it's, it's got the more detailed. It looks kind of grimmer. Also, have you noticed that, I don't know if this is how many Gundams have this, but a lot of Gundams, they do this in Wing a lot, but uh, I noticed it in the 8th uh, MS team. They have this red, like, chin. Like, it looks like got- a weird beard that comes out. It looks like the, the guy from System <laughs> of a Down's beard, but it's made of red metal, and I just, I can never not see it that way. I'm like, oh, it's gonna, got, Gundam's got the weird beard. Cool. They 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 all got weird beards. They don't. They do. None, none of them don't have that. None of them I've don't? Built, okay. I mean, there's a couple that don't, but I've built a lot of Gunpla, and most of them have that in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I hope that when you, you know, put the model together it, and it breaks down the, all the pieces, it's like, here's the weapons bay, and here's the uh, the leg shaft, and here's the weird beard. Like, that's just the, I stumbled on the actual term. <laughs> It'd be funny if it had an actual use. Like, this is this yes. is the, the, the Gundam's uh, cigarette lighter or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's another beam saver. Beam saver, yeah. <laughs> so yeah um we have another listener mail but i'm gonna read that at the end of the episode because it's a long one from our friend fergal but it's it's about uh the english dubs which is very interesting actually so it's thank you world. alexis for writing in and a reminder everybody you can uh write in at watchformercury at gmail.com Ooh, side note also check out our patreon patreon.com slash watchformercury support us your creative friends and we will review a movie for you every month. This month, Gundam yes. Thunderbolt coming up. Got to squeeze that into the schedule, but it's coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So now, let's get to the episode. Alex, what's your vibe on episode four, The Demon Overhead? It was really fun. It was uh, it was cool, finally, kind of seeing uh, Jamie Lannister's weapons plan sort of come to fruition. But mainly, I was there. What got me uh, in this episode was just... The dude that everyone fucking makes fun of because he because death follows him finally breaking his curse. It was mm-hmm. inspiring to the point where they really played up how inspiring it was at the end. And I thought it was a little too much, but I was happy for him that he, <laughs> we watched the death stink off of himself. Like, all right. Good for you. All right. Cool. It, cool yeah. Everybody. The, it's like, oh, we'll have faith. It'll all be great. And trumpets. I'm like, OK, this is a tonal shift, but all right. So <laughs> good times. 
Yeah, this one, so cool. I love, one of my favorite things about the UC Gundam is all the mobile armors, all the wacky things that Xeon fields. Yeah. And this episode is, mm, it has that, it, it has that to perfection. I love it. Yeah. So we start out, we see in the upper atmosphere, we see some Xeon aircraft carrying what appears to be some type of mobile armor. And I have in here, insert Chinese spy balloon joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Opsilus, just this really yeah. shitty prototype. That's what that thing must have been. Uh, it was, uh, I literally like, I was like, I'm one minute in and I'm just like Chinese spy balloon, Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> What does it say about me that I didn't even put that together? I'm like, oh, yeah. So in the Chinese spy balloon, we see Ina in the cockpit. We get some cool cockpit shots where she's switching things on and turning the mobile armor on. Uh, we see it has it, it turns on. It has a cool Zaku eye, you know, the classic. Um, so the they're flying through the air. The aircraft drop the mobile armor towards the ground and then it begins to fly through the air uh we see a room of xeon engineers monitoring monitoring it and they're with commandant guineas who is smiling at the mobile suit's performance and we kind of get from what they're talking about this is some type of test flight and the test worked so they're all very happy with it uh i will say that the mobile armor when they kind of zoom out and look <laughs> look at it it looks like the pokemon cloister do you remember cloister it looks, i do and it looks very cloister yeah it really does. Um, so as the cloister is blasting through the atmosphere with the, the fucking coolest lightning effects ever, right? It's, <laughs> it's just surrounded by red lightning, and when it plunges through the clouds, it, like, makes a splash. Yeah, just a so black cool. clam of death surrounded by storms. <laughs> black <laughs> clam of death. There we go. Uh, that's, like, a record for episode title. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. Great job. And after, as we see it like flying through the air, we hear uh, Ina in the cockpit goes, so this is Big Brother's dream. So. <laughs> oh, we know. Well, he has a different dream that we don't like to talk about out loud. <laughs> this is his one that's okay to talk about. Yeah, right. The one we're not allowed to talk about is the one where he tries to get her black clam of death. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, I'll see myself out. Banned from open mics. Um, <laughs> banned from your own podcast. Banned from my own podcast. Yeah. So next up, we see we're over. We're back at we're at the Federation base. We see the zero eight MS team main, uh, maintaining their Gundams. Uh, we have uh, Sanders and Ninerich are like reloading the their test type. A group of soldiers drives up in a jeep and they start harassing Sanders about being uh, the Reaper. They're like, I feel sorry for poor Karen for getting stuck with a jinx like him. Uh, I have in my notes, can they leave him alone for one fucking second about the death stuff? <laughs> they really just can't. <laughs> Do they, even this scene where they're harassing him, I'm like, yeah. how many jokes? Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> this is, does this guy just get this literally all day? It must be. This is like he seems to have, he seems to have internalized it quite a bit. It's so like, I shut be up. <laughs> yeah. So um, Nina Rich asks Sanders what they're talking about, and uh, we see Sanders start freaking out. He starts getting pissed. They keep making jokes at him about everybody dying and all this shit. Um, and then he snaps and he goes and he just pulls one of them out of the jeep. 
and they start like brawling. So I have a note here. He breaks his uh, red glass soda, and I have no my nondescript cola. Yeah, <laughs> they don't they don't show him fighting this guy right away. They show the yeah. Coke bottle dropping on the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so. So they start fighting off screen. Ninerich runs away, gets on a bicycle, and tries to find Shiro. Um, we, <laughs> he, <laughs> what a he, little dork. I, I have know, to right? bike for help. I know, right? It, it's crazy <laughs> that he's a soldier. Um, I know. <laughs> writing, his, writing his love letters and the, with Elador is like, bro, don't write one of those every day. You'll scare her off. Yeah. <laughs> it's this or I ride the bike for help. Those are the my... bicycle. Give me my bicycle. It's not like yeah. he got in a Jeep or anything or used the radio. I'm on my bicycle. Doesn't he like have a tank too? <laughs> yeah, they have the hover tank. <laughs> yeah, at least getting something cool. So uh, he, he bikes past Shiro and we cut back to, we see a crowd has gathered around Sanders and the other soldiers who are fighting. Uh, they're from the 07th MS team. So they're all brawling, and we see Gramps is taking bets on the winner. Uh, Shiro bikes towards the fight, and Ninerich is sitting on the back seat of the bike, which is very funny because, like, being super masculine on a bicycle is hard, but being big dicked by your commander and making him (laughs) making you sit on the back of a bicycle. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's very, it's very Ninerich. Very much so. Uh, so he bikes up and then he's, he sees that it's uh three on one, um, where, so two of the soldiers are holding, wait, 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 wait. Okay. Wait, wait, I got mixed up. Here we go. Uh, so they're biking towards the fight and then rich asks him, uh, he's like, is it true that everyone who's fought with Sanders has died? And then Shiro shoots back with who told you a stupid thing like that? <laughs> and I have my notes. <laughs> everyone. Everyone <laughs> tells him. <laughs> and they, they get back to the fight. They see uh, Sanders taking on two, uh, three soldiers where two of them are holding him back while a third one punches him. Shiro leaps in yelling, yelling about it not being a fair fight and he punches one in the face. Um, they'll start brawling a little bit and then Battalion Commander Kojima from Episode 2 pulls up and asks what's going on. Uh, Shiro jumps to the atten- attention and he goes, just recreation, sir. <laughs> And then the other guy goes, we are having a deep exchange, a which deep sounds exchange. way more suspicious than just, yeah, we were fighting. Like, yeah, oh, what, what is that? Is this I, is this a sex thing? Like, yeah, I don't know what that means. It's a deep exchange. It's it's very vague what that means, but I kind of like the wording. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, um. The, the battalion commander's like, what the hell's going on here? Blah, blah, blah. And he assigns them their duties. He basically tells the 07th team that they're like, sh- he's like, shouldn't you be holding the rear line? And the 8th MS team, shouldn't you be like getting ready to go? And, and so... Shouldn't you be killing people on every third mission? <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Don't you have a gun to be squeezing the trigger of somewhere? <laughs> uh, so the crowd disperses. They all leave. We get a quick shot of Gramps pocketing all the bet money. Uh... <laughs> Um, Shiro tells Sanders to not let the trash talk get to him. Uh, Sanders is visibly upset and he looks up to see Karen watching all of this from the shoulder of her ground type Gundam. <laughs> Just like nods of disapproval, head shake of disapproval on all of them. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, next scene, we are at the Xeon base in some type of great hall. Uh, we have Guineas, who is standing in front of a enormous photo of Degwin Zabi. <laughs> it's so yes. big. Yeah. Um, he basically thanks everyone for their hard work on the Opsilas, um, which has completed its first stage of testing. And he says it will bring Xeon victory over the Earth. And then we get the classic Sieg Xeon, Sieg Xeon. They really, they, I, I know that there, there, there are ways to, to layer in Nazi imagery that a million different projects have done because they are the classic American movie villain. Could we have been a little more subtle than just Sieg Xeon? It's so on the nose. It's so it's, insanely on the nose. <laughs> it's literal German Nazi talk. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they do the salute, too. So, yeah, they do. Um, so, uh, next up, they, we see all the Xeon, uh, officers are, and scientists are in a ballroom. They're all mingling, you know, um, we see Guineas bragging about himself when Ina walks in. Uh, my note says she's hot. Everybody looks. Yep. <laughs> yep. Cause I'm also like, I'm watching this and I, okay, we have been, so this is like, so inside baseball. Okay. For like comedians right we've been trying to get more female comics to come to the mics where i host my mic and part of that effort has been like you know having more um female mic hosts and female mic co-hosts and trying to make clean up the attitude make sure that like a lot of dudes aren't saying inappropriate shit because it happens um yeah and so I've been very fixated on this, like trying to create welcoming spaces. And I'm just watching this ballroom scene. Like imagine being this one hot woman on this base. That's this forward military base. That's just full of male soldiers. And you walk into this ballroom full of them. That must be so stressful. It must be. And it looks like she's, she's like, fuck you. I don't care. I look good today. Like get it girl. Like she's owning the space still. Mm hmm. Yeah, because she's um, hot shit. She's yes. from a. She, her brother is the commandant. Uh, <laughs> she's a war hero with cleavage. Yeah. <laughs> so she walks in, and she's a, accompanied by Captain Norris, who we met last episode. Um, and he is an insane badass, as we will find out later. But okay. uh, so Guineas uh, says he, she's beautiful and congratulates her on her test flight. Um, so he's. He's all horned up for his sister, as usual, par for the course. <laughs> He's like, how was it? She's like, it was great. Uh, but the Have only you been taking she... your meds? Yeah. <laughs> the only thing she says is uh, the air conditioning needs work, which is <laughs> kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I imagine having a mobile armor, which just flies through the air. The air conditioning could be as simple as having a couple holes in the front and a couple holles in the back. <laughs> yeah, just a little, just some air vent. At that just point, a just a little bit of movement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she says the air conditioning needs work. And right then we see a rowdy Xeon officer named Admiral Yuri Kelene. Who looks like Wolverine. Yeah, he storms in the in the in the ballroom and he's demanding to see Guineas. Um, he pushes through the crowd to get to him, and uh, he comes over, puts his arm around Guineas's shoulder. And he's like, "Oh, congratulations on your fucking new, your new your new toy." Uh, <laughs> and Guineas is like, "Stop it! Uh, people are staring." Uh, he said he had to, he 
<laughs> Anyone ever told you it kind of looks like a cloister for Pokemon? <laughs> nice, nice toy you got there. I had to come from Europe to get the capture on my Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, so he's like really impressed by it. Uh, and then he walks over to Ina, thirsty as hell, of course. Um, it's very clear that Ina and Guineas fucking hate this guy. Uh, Yuri asks Ina to be his girl. She's kind of grossed out. They have like a brief exchange. So Ina leaves to get some fresh air and Guineas just before, walks away. Well, not before Guineas looks at them like, no one hits on my sister but me. <laughs> he looks so <laughs> incestuously angry. That's our sign out for today. And may your sister not be hit on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ina leaves, Guineas leaves too. And Admiral Kellen Hay says, they're no fun. Um, Outside, we get a cool shot of a little mountain range here, a cliffside. Um, we see Ina and Captain Norris. They're up on a balcony on this like cliffside. Uh, Ina says to him, now of all times, he shows up. Whenever he shows up, up he throws off Big Brother's normal rhythms. Mm. Chekhov's <laughs> party guests. <laughs> I suppose so. I forgot what happens to this dude, but being like he throws off my brother's normal rhythms in normal in modern show writing, that means something with the meds is gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. Uh, let's see, where was it? Uh, she says, "If I were Guineas, I would have punched that guy out." <laughs> Which is funny because Guineas is so much smaller than this dude. Like, yes, he's a very bit like I said. He looks like Wolverine. I mean that more in the hair and not the stature kind mm-hmm. of way, because Wolverine's a little tiny guy, and this guy's huge. He's immense, <laughs> like duck under the door frame, huge. So she's like, "I would have punched him out." And then Norris is like, "Why did you come here?" And she she explains that she came for Big Brother's dream. Uh, she sincerely believes the Absolus is going to end the war. Um, even though it's going to kill a shitload of people, which she is yeah. sad about. She's got a weirdly kind of cavalier attitude, like, it's going to end the war, finally. I mean, I'm going to kill a whole lot of people in it, but then it'll be for the best, right? I'm like, okay. Yeah, she has like a little bit of a reflection here. She's clearly sad yeah. that she has to kill people, but she does believe that uh, ending the war is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Um. Norris is like, oh, it's all for the Sahalim family, which is Ina's family. And she goes, honor, glory, and lineage. I'm, prod- I'm part of the Sahalim family. It's like being a puppet. So she's here against her will, kind of. Like, yeah. she believes in the cause to an extent, but she is a pawn in their games. Is she, without spoiling anything, I, I think this episode is implying she is the pilot who will ultimately pilot the Absol. She's just not, like, the best right. test pilot for it right now, right? Okay, I'm just making sure. Right. Yeah. Imagine being flown down to Earth to a war zone to test something and not actually, <laughs> not yeah. actually use it. And then it. just get sent back home with a cooler and an AC in your, in your <laughs> ship that you, they send you home with. So, uh, let's see. Next up, we, we cut to the 8th MS team. Uh, we see them camping in the woods. They're cooking something over a camp stove. Sanders is looking kind of fucked up. Um, and Shiro asks him what's wrong. Sanders explains that he's <laughs> Nothing going just to... fought seven guys at once. <laughs> NBD. <laughs> NBD. Um, yeah, so he explains that he's going to quit being a mobile suit pilot, and he requested a transfer. 
he doesn't want everyone to get killed, at which point uh, Karen punches him in the face. <laughs> and she she basically says, uh, you think quitting will make you feel better? And she's like, you don't even have the balls for it. And then she kicks him in the nuts real hard. Yeah, this is a this is the most aggressive kind of pep talk. The I'm going to beat the shit out of you until you believe in yourself. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm not I'm not uh, really a fan of when people like try to yell at you to feel better, much less when they roundhouse kick you in the nuts. <laughs> so <laughs> This is not how I would approach this situation, but I'm not Commander Karen. <laughs> yeah, therapists hate this one simple trick. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 problem everyone has nowadays is no one is willing to kick each other in the nuts to make anyone feel better <laughs> yeah do you think death follows you well we've got a very interesting life hack so <laughs> your balls will in... hurt so bad you won't think about your own track record there you go <laughs> um so she kicks him in the nuts. Shiro is like, whoa. And Sanders is like, it's all right. Uh, and he explains <laughs> I that. I deserve this. I deserve this. And, and if I'm honest, I'm a little into it. <laughs> <laughs> so he explains that all the other teams he's fought with were wiped out on their third mission. Everyone except him. So we don't know how many teams this is, but this is the Reaper lore officially. It's got to be at least three, right? Because if it was one, they'd go, oh, remember when that happened? If it was two, they would talk about it still kind of like, if this mm-hmm. is a thing, it th- he's got to be on team number four, like minimum, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, he, yeah. he's got to be up there. <laughs> I like how, how Ninovich says, he's a third-time jinx, as if that's some kind of, like, urban legend. Yeah. Like, Sasquatch. <laughs> like, the third-time jinx. We found one. <laughs> Finally. So lucky. Um, so he also says, uh, as long as I'm in it, the MS team is doomed to die. Um, and Shiro is just basically like, well, we're in the middle of a mission, so I'm not letting you transfer. Uh, everything is going to be fine. <laughs> He's so optimistic. Um, and then we see Ninerich uh, hoping. He says they hope they don't. He says he hopes they don't see any action tomorrow, at which point Shiro gets fed up and says if they want to survive, they have to trust each other, which I, l- I love a competent commander, especially in like the Gundam series, every, most Gundam pilots are like piloting out of necessity and they're battling with the consequences and the trauma. Shiro is just like, let's just be the best guys. Let's just do it. Let's be nice to each other. Believe in each other. Let's do it. Yeah. And not only are a lot of Gundam pilots fighting out of necessity, they're always fighting, at least in the, in the pro- uh, properties I've seen, they're always on some level fighting like, this is my singular mission and I'm so painfully alone. Whereas this is like, hey, everybody, let's do a good job together. Yeah. (laughs) And forget about the fact that I uh, peeped on that child a few episodes ago. (laughs) This is uh, Zero Eighth uh, Friendship Team. It really is. That's what it is. It really is. So next scene, we see in the sky, uh, we're back in the sky, we see the Opsilus flying through the air. Um, we finally get a good look at it and what it looks like. It basically is like a, it looks like Cloyster, but it's a spiky ball with a, a Zaku head. It looks like you took a bunch of Zakus and then you just <laughs> squooshed them down vertically <laughs> like a waffle iron of yes. Zakus. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, I also do think, though, uh, very menacing looking 
crap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I think both these things are true. It is cool looking, and it also looks like a bunch of Zaku's were in a waffle iron. Zaku waffle. Yeah, basically. It doesn't, I don't think these things particularly are at odds with each other. Yeah, so uh, it's flying through the air. It's zooming around. It'd be going fast. And then back at uh, Xeon NASA, we see the engineers monitoring it. And they get a warning light about something at its side. Uh, Guineas orders the aircraft to protect it. And the engineers tell Ina not to push it too hard, basically. So they're flying through the sky. She has to, like, you know, keep an eye on whatever. Uh, back in the jungle, we see a, uh, the 08th MS team and a Zaku shooting at each other. Shiro orders Sanders to push, push forward. And Sanders is freaking out in the cockpit. Uh, they they are moving forward onto the enemy. Uh, Elidor says he has a bad feeling about the situation, and Ninarich starts writing his will. <laughs> yeah. In the dub, it was fun. He goes, "Are you writing another love letter?" He goes, "This is my will." <laughs> it's very snappy. Uh, so back in the sky at the Opsalas, uh, Ina can't maintain altitude with the vibrations she's experiencing. Um, she's trying to. She needs to lower elevation, but they're above uh, Federation territory. Guineas tells her to essentially like push through, tough it out. Um, next to Guineas, we have Yuri, uh, Admiral Yuri Kelene. He's next to him, and he tells Guineas to let Ina punch out of the Opsilus. Um, which, of course, Guineas is like, we like we can't lose the Opsilus, you know. So it's kind of in critical condition, but uh, they're not willing to risk forfeiting their magical prototype Zaku waffle. Yeah. Uh, Guineas, Guineas orders them to send out more troops to divert the Federation attention so they won't see the Opsilus's flight path. So what's going on here is basically it's flying through the air for test runs, but the Xeon forces sent out a bunch of Zakus to engage the Federation somewhere else so they won't see it flying through the air which is does no one have a tower over the jungle with like some binoculars <laughs> like are they if not doing send, that if we send a lot of smaller robots at them they won't see the death clam it's brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it i don't know they should be watching the skies i'm like how big can this jungle be um probably pretty huge but anyway <laughs> yeah. uh so Yuri's advisor comes up and whispers something to him, uh, and we watch silently. We watch Guineas take his meds. So somehow I, they're tying these two together. Maybe we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, Yuri explains. He's like, "I'm going back to Europe." He's like, "Tell him." He's like, "Send me the Opsilus after you fix the bugs in it." That was interesting because I've I and up until this point in the in the UC, what little I've seen of it, I haven't heard anyone actually reference a real like place like like oh i'm going to europe so i was like wait are they fighting and are they literally in vietnam right now like what's they they're in a nondescript jungle they're somewhere in southeast asia they're not in um they're not in the amazon amazon has the federation based jabaro there um there's like a whole different thing going on over there but yeah this is southeast asia it's all real places too like the original gundam like they go to like Europe and like Africa and stuff like that. They go all over. Okay. okay, so I just haven't gotten there yet where they they ground it in reality. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um so, uh we go back to the 08th MS team. Um so they they be shooting, they be shooting at each other, you know, just bullets flying. Love yep. the Gundam action. Uh 
so they're they're engaged in combat with a bunch of Zaku's. And also, as I get older, I'm noticing when they cut animation corners more and more. Where when you're a kid, you're just like, oh, the battles are so badass. But most of the shots of the combat in here are like a Zaku or the Zero Eight MS team like shooting at something off screen that you can't see. It's just shooting animations. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that is that is a good trick. <laughs> they're like, they're, if they're not on screen at the same time, it's easier to draw. <laughs> yeah, and it's cinematic as hell. You just put it together in your brain. Wow. There's a lot of put it together in your brain going on, especially in yeah. anime. <laughs> mm-hmm. Watching an episode of Naruto where they don't say anything and just hold combat pose, and you're just imagining how sick this show is, even though you're <laughs> just thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it is It is weird, like especially when they translate something from manga to anime, where like if you're reading it in a panel, you go, oh, well, this isn't taking place in literal time. It's an emotional time. But when you're doing it on screen, it's like, you are all just standing around staring at each other, monologuing and just soliloquizing <laughs> in your own head. Yep. It, it is weird now. <laughs> Dude, I feel like Naruto is a podcast where where sometimes you get like an Instagram picture of what's going on. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. Anyway, back in uh, the Gundam universe. Um, so they're shooting at the Zaku's bunch of combat bullets flying. Um, the Zaku start retreating unexpectedly. Um and kind of Karen and Shiro are like, something is up. Like, something is not right. They should not be retreating right now. And we, the viewer, know that they're retreating in order to pull the Federation away from the flight path of the Opsilus. Um, Elidor detects something strange on the sonar. Uh, <coughs> Shiro is like... Is that ACDC? <laughs> <laughs> Shiro suspects something is up. Um... Elidor intercepts the Xeon communications. They're talking about the Opsilus and the flight path and all this, but he can barely hear it because of the Minovsky par- particles. Um, but he's pretty convinced that something is headed their way. Uh, Shiro tells everyone basically just to stay put and wait for it. So they all lie low in the bushes and just watch the sky. Uh, Ninerich speculates that this whole thing might be Sanders's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sanders. <laughs> I, I I think in this is scene is they go why they can hear the uh, talk about the Opsilus and they go yeah why isn't it in code and I was like yeah why isn't it in code because it was that them just calling out the fact that they had to do that for plot reasons or um the Minovsky particles are like what the fusion reactors of the Gundams emit. So it makes radio communications like only short range. So like in the Gundam universe, like radar doesn't work in space because of Minovsky particles. Okay. So uh, if they want to transmit when they're talking to each other over the radio, it's like very close range, especially when you have the fusion engine engines on. So, um, and it might not be a fusion engine. I might be getting this mixed up with Battletech. Battletech is definitely fusion engines. I think Gundams are fusion engines as well. But uh, if you talk over the radio in your mobile armor or whatever, it shouldn't go very far because the Minovsky particles interfere with it. So he might have yeah. just caught like a slip of it. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be code because it normally be so short range. Okay. Because I, I, I don't know. I took it. I could be misinterpreting. I took it as... Hey, why are they just talking about this openly on a comms channel? Shouldn't they be using code language? Is they're, this a they're, trap? <laughs> they're talking about it through uh, Twitter replies. <laughs> <laughs> they're just sliding into each other's DMs, basically. Yep. 
Um, yeah, so he's like, uh, something's coming. Uh, Sanders, or Ninrich speculate, speculates that it might be Sanders' fault. Everyone is kind of just waiting around in the trees super nervously. Um, Shiro spots air, two aircraft, but it's not the Opsilus. Uh, and as he's spotting them, he's like, everyone wait. And we see a bunch of bullets fly out of the trees, start shooting at the aircraft. Who's shooting? Which is never something you want to hear in the middle of a war. Yep. <laughs> and it's Ninerich. Um, Ninerich. <laughs> he freaked out, basically. Yep. So the Xeon aircraft uh, find them and start firing on their position. Uh, Karen goes, you hear me, Sanders? I'm not going to die. Just watch me. <laughs> I'm and not going to die because fuck you. I'm not yep. letting you have this one. She f- and then she fires up her jump jets. She goes in the air and then shoots down one of the two aircraft. Um, and then she shoots it down and is like, hell yeah. And then turns around and the Opsilus is like flying through the air at her. And everyone's like shocked, like surprised Pikachu face. <laughs> um, uh, it, it just rams her out of the sky, which is pretty brutal. Her Gundam just slams down into the jungle, bounces along. Um, we get, I'm, I'm going to say it. We get a gratuitous boob bounce. Thank you. I was debating whether or not to bring it up. <laughs> Dude, anime, you know, it's just... <laughs> and I think Come they on. did it earlier in the episode, too. I was like, did we not... Did we have, like, a creepy quota to fulfill in this series? We, we certainly got our fill the last couple ones, but, like, <laughs> they're like, we... <laughs> it was yeah. gratuitous, yeah. So, gratuitous boob shot. Everyone sees the Absolus. Uh, they're scared as shit. Um, one of the aircraft fires down in Karen's position. Sanders jumps in the way uh, with his Gundam, and he shoots two smoke bombs in front of them. Um, we see uh, Ina in the Opsilus. She tells Norris to get to ba- back to base. His aircraft was hit. She was like, I'll cover you. Um, and then the Opsilus like, kind of hovers low over the jungle, charges up. You, we see all this like cool like red lightning charge up around it. And then it just like... It does like a mini nuke on the ground beneath it that just rips yeah. all the trees out. So sick. So awesome. It's like it, it's like a. It reminds me of just like a badass, like when like a Dragon Ball attack. You know, like they drop yeah. spirit bomb. It's just blinding light, and everything rips out of the ground. Yeah, it just it uh, it the the Opsilus learned Kaioken and has gone Super <laughs> Saiyan. Exactly. So yeah, it does that. the The zero eight MS team is like trying desperately to hold on and stand their ground. They're all blinded. Um, we see the hover truck flip over and hit a tree. Um, Sanders is pissed. He's on the ground. He's pissed, and he doesn't want to let his team die. He gets up and starts shooting at the Opsilus with his big gun. Uh, it, it hits the Opsilus a bunch, and the Opsilus just kind of like stutters. Like It doesn't cause much damage, but it kind of like knocks it around a little bit. And then we get... This is... This is my favorite shot in this show. And there's a great shot later that is everybody's favorite, but this is my favorite is when he pulls out the he pulls out the beam saber from his like leg pouch, right? He he turns it on and then he activates his jump jets and like that scene where the you can see the jet flares behind him as he's charging towards it in the air. So cool. Um, so yeah, he charges at it, uh, jumps through the air and he slices through a bunch of it, bunch of its armor as it tries to retreat. Um, he, he lands the hit and basically goes, I am not the Grim Reaper. Uh, (laughs) I don't kill people except now, but 
You know what I mean. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, and so the he cuts pretty deep in through its armor. Um, at which point his beam saber kind of explodes like the Opsilus's armor repulses him or he hits something that popped, I don't know. But he slams on his back, sliding away. Um, and the Opsilus starts charging up another attack, but before it can, uh, the other remaining members of the 08th MS team begin shooting the shit out of it. Um, at which point, Ina needs to retreat. Um, she flies away, and then Karen goes, See, Chief, I'm alive. And then she laughs maniacally. <laughs> and uh, Sanders, of course, is very relieved. Um, the hover truck is completely wrecked, and I want to say this is two episodes in a row where the hover truck <laughs> gets screwed over. And then finally, uh, Shiro says, you can break any jinx as long as you have faith. Now, that's the episode. Here's, here's my question. Do you think anyone's going to give a shit, or are they just going to still dunk on him for being the death? They're like, it still did happen to you three times. This, our taunts are still valid. Like, <laughs> they shouldn't, but I assume a lot of them are jerks. I think this is a full curse break. I think they just... Um, that's good. It's just done. They're good. Everyone's everyone's satisfied now because of the power of friendship, apparently, and faith. Because Very of the power Christian of Shiro. <laughs> yeah, right. I do. I do love it, though. I do love. I do love Shiro's um, undying optimism. He's just a really good manager. You know, that's what he is. He's is a good manager. <laughs> yeah, he's very. I mean, not good enough to stop two employees from ball kicking each other, but in terms of str- str- uh, strategically, yes. Yeah, I just, I love a positive message. I do too. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the episode. And we have one more listener mail to read from our good friend, Fergal. This is not specifically about this episode, but it's good and it's long. So I'm going to put it at the end. <laughs> Actually, um, yeah, yeah, let's go for it. So the subject says, uh, this ended up being a long exp- explanation of the history of Gundam dubs. Sorry. So, <laughs> all right. Okay, calling the shot right away. Hello again. Alex mentioned that Amaro and Quatra share the same English dub voice actors. Made me feel like filling you in on some fun facts about the history of Gundam dubs. So when Gundam had its big entry into the West with Gundam Wing, it was dubbed by Ocean Production, a a Canadian company also oh. known for dubbing Death Note, Black Lagoon, Inuyasha, and the dub of Dragon Ball Z, where the It's Over 9000 meme came from. Not to be it's confused. A, it's, a, it's, it's not a good dub. They changed a lot of stuff. The, the cast is fine, but they changed a lot of stuff. Where Whenever anyone dies or is about to die, they go, he's going to take him to another dimension. They censor like everything. But <laughs> like I found uh, uh, an episode of it on YouTube and it was the first Dragon Ball Z I ever watched at like six in the morning on, you know, the Warner Brothers channel or whatever when I was in you know sixth grade. And so like, Every time I've ever watched Dragon Ball Z since, especially as an adult, it's been a different cast. So it, mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed it. But this one, it just like it just hit me right in that same spot in my brain that originally I'm like, oh, these are the cast. No wonder I felt a little bit wrong watching it ever since because this isn't <laughs> this is my cast. This is an objectively worse version of the show. But this is where <laughs> my nostalgia and uh, the guy mm. who played Duo and a guy and the whatever commander that got his arm hurt in uh, in. 
Mobile Suit Gundam uh, was Piccolo, Scott McNeil. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think there's I think there's some of that in here. Um, yeah. But yeah, so... I didn't know they not, did Death Note. I'm, I'm imagining they butchered it, but who knows? <laughs> I don't... Like I said, I don't watch dubs, but I'm watching the Naruto dub right now, so I don't have to look <laughs> at it. I can just I can just like paint my miniatures and have Naruto on and know what's happening. Um, so uh, not to be confused with the Funima- Funimation dub, uh, they would per- then. So after Dragon Ball Z, they would then proceed to dub the original Gundam series Seed and Double O. They technically also dubbed G Gundam and Zeta Gundam, but via some kind of secondary studio that meant that they didn't use the same voice actors as usual, meaning no one reprised their roles in Zeta. That makes sense. I Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I find particularly fun about the Ocean Doves is that these Canadian voice actors have also done a lot of work for cartoons produced in Canada. Among these, there is My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, a, a series I was a fan of years before getting into Gundam. It's a pleasant show. Don't judge me, in quotes. I'm judging you. Um, so it was really funny. But legions of bronies will not. Yeah. (laughs) So it was really funny recognizing the voices of some of of my favorite uh, cartoon horses in these war criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a sentence. I also got really, I also recently got into Lego Ninja Go. Again, don't judge me. And it likewise features a lot of the same voice actors, with the black ninja being voiced by Trawa from Wing and the green ninja being voiced by Othran from Seed. Perhaps the funniest case, though, is that Othran's voice actor also dub- voiced Double D from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and Kira is voiced by Ed from the same series, meaning that the first half of Seed is two-thirds of Ed, Ed, and Eddie angrily trying to kill each other in giant robots. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. I'm, uh, Of course, I'm... <sighs> I don't watch the dubs. I don't watch the dubs of this stuff. So I'm all watching in Japanese. And I was like, I didn't even notice that. I'm like, yeah, because I was watching fucking Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> However, the Ocean Group wasn't actually the first company to dub a Gundam series. A few years before, uh, Wing the Movie Trilogy... Wait. As a few years before, Wing the Movie Trilogy version of the original series was released on VHS with a famously bad English dub. Oh, okay, wait, wait. A few years before Wing, the movie trilogy version of the original series was released oh, okay. on VHS. Yeah, with a famously... which I've heard are good. I don't know about yeah. the dub, but I heard the movies are good. Yeah, th- those ones are all fine. Um, so, uh, re- released on VHS with a famously bad English dub, most notable for giving certain characters accents, like making bright British and Sailor Spanish. And... Uh, and I am only now realizing the alliteration there. <laughs> British Bright, Spanish Sailor. And for pronouncing Gundam as Gundam. Similarly, some Gundam shows that weren't dubbed in America, like Double Zeta and Build Fighters, were dubbed for English speaking channels in Asia. And they're also quite and they are also quite bad. So uh, Double Zeta does not have an official dub of any sort. So everyone's just there's lots of people who are like, oh, where's the dub of Double Zeta? I want to watch Double Zeta, but it's not dubbed. It's like, suck it up and watch the subtitles. Come on. That's going to um, be me when we cover it, though. <laughs> it's so, dude. I'll do it, but that'll be me going, which was a double. Yeah. This is- yeah, we'll get, to, <laughs> we'll get to Double Zeta in six years. Um, 
So, um, he also attached a video. You can you can Google British Noah Bright, um, but he's he he argues with Amaro and it's British Bright. So it's kind of fun. I love the accent. I think it kind of fits. I like it. So, zero uh, eight MS teams dub was done in Los Angeles, as were the other OVA series. After Double O was the last show to be dubbed in Canada, it then became standard for Gundam to be dubbed in LA. So you'll see repeating voice actors across. Origin, Unicorn, Iron-Blooded Orphans, and other stuff dubbed <laughs> sorry, just in got the 2010 the, and on, onwards. When you said it, came, it was standard for Gundam to be dubbed in LA, I just got a very strong mental image of just a sick like Corvette with the top down just being driven by a Gundam. He's like wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just that couldn't help but come out of my brain. It's like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I had an image of uh, Bright from LA being like, Amaro, get in the Gundam. <laughs> Char is gonna be pissed. <laughs> Char, sorry, um, Char. Char. <laughs> <laughs> so, however, Witch for Mercury's dub is noticeable for being the first one done in Texas. Yeehaw! The Yeehaw's me, not Fergal. Um, and thus features a cast that has never worked on Gundam before, as far as I'm aware. As I'm writing this, I watched the dub of episode one just this morning, and I'm very happy with it. Mirina's voice is surprisingly deep and mature, and Soleta is conversely very squeaky. I think it aids their couple dynamic in a fun way. Also, Gul sounds like an absolute chad. Alex saying War in the Pocket sounds like a story that would be revived with Samuel L. Jackson. Makes me now want to see Samuel Sam Jackson in that live-action Gundam movie that's been in development for like five years now. On that note... I'm curious what you think of the idea of a Hollywood Gundam movie. Live action anime adaptations have a bad reputation for a good reason, but I don't think any idea is inherently bad and that a good movie would, would do wonders for the franchise's recognition in the West. I was originally very optimistic about it because I was it, it was being co-produced by Bandai, who stated they wanted to make sure it's in the spirit of the franchise was maintained, and critically acclaimed comic writer Brian K. Vaughn was signed to write on it. But the long development time and, the, and it going from a thera- theatrical the theatrical release to a Netflix release has made my that optimism wane. Still, I hope it does turn out good if it releases at all. I don't really have anything to say about episode four of Eighth MS Team, and thank goodness for that. Okay. <laughs> so thanks for writing, Fergal. Okay, what's your vibe on a Gundam Hollywood movie? Well, first of all, are we saying are we assuming that it's the original Mobile Suit Gundam, or it can be or whatever Gundam? That Anything. I'm, like I'm picturing Gundam Wing. In my head, which <laughs> okay. it tends to be where I go. When live I action. Yeah, live. I here's the thing. I think it would work visually, assuming they had a good budget. I think it would work visually, and if the cast was good, it would still like it would be fine. Um, I don't know if you could tell a story like like the Gundam shows tend to be long, and they have very sweeping, big political undertone story. I don't know if you could do that well in a movie unless you yeah. picked a show and you made one, like the first arc or, or first couple episodes, the movie. Now, if you made it into a mini series or just did a live action series, I think that'd be fine. Assuming the the cast and budget were, were good, but um, I just, it for, so for me, it's more an issue of how much screen time do you have to play with the number of story elements you have been given to work with by the source material. Right. So if it's a movie, I, I think it that. would probably be a clusterfuck. But if it was a miniseries to longer, possibly. 
Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of the art would be lost in something shorter. I think a when when we watch Thunderbolt, I think Thunderbolt does it right when you only have like 90 minutes. Do the cold open just in the middle of the war. No yeah. boy discovers a mobile suit. Blah, 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 blah. If you're going to do that, I think a I think a two and a half hour like version of um like the original series would be really good as a live action. Maybe just crunch it down. Like keep keep the important parts, you know, like first encounter and like getting in the Gundam, first encounter in space, do a couple Earth battles, and then do the final one. I don't know. Make it long though. <laughs> I think Eighth MS team would work as a movie. Because it's clearly, oh, yeah. like we've established, it's doing Full Metal Jacket. So do Full Metal Jacket, but there's Gundams. And you could work in some platoon. You could whatever. You can, uh, like, I haven't seen the rest of the series, so I don't know how dark they get. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, we don't, and a lot of Full Metal Jacket is at the boot camp, but we don't maybe get to skip that. But, like, just do a Vietnam movie where they have robots and pick the best parts of the series and work toward a big bad. And I think that actually could be really solid. Yeah. I agree. I think it would work really well. Um, live action anime, though, uh, some has gone awful. Uh, yeah, usually, almost always, in fact, probably always bad. Yeah, I will say. I mean, what was it? I watched the. I I don't mind some of like the three D like quote unquote live action anime movies. Um, I watched Blame on Netflix, which was really cool. After I read volume one of the manga. Uh, really enjoyed that, and then also the Guns 3D movie was actually pretty good. I I did like that. I thought I thought it kept the spirit of the show. Basically, in this huge long series, it kind of took a slice that set up like a little bit of context, and then it was just a cool battle from there. So it wasn't okay. like it wasn't trying too hard. Th- when you say 3D movie, what does that mean exactly? There are anime movies that are not animated, that are not live action, but they're like all cgi in a way okay so it's still animation it's just more detailed animation yeah and they're 3d it's very clearly like 3d models okay okay i could get behind that i think so yeah um but yeah that's it for this week guys thank you for writing in fergal very interesting thank you i don't know why you know that all all that so great job um (laughs) thank you for sharing um Guys, if you want to write in anything we missed, any thoughts, theories, whatever you got, send it in to watchfrommercury at gmail.com and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash watchfrommercury to support your favorite Gundam podcast, if this is your favorite. If it's not your favorite, then go support your favorite because yeah. it's it does take time to make these things every week so you can enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> and if you support us, we want you to mean it. God yeah, damn it. exactly. Put your money where your mouth is, okay? Uh, no. Pony up, cowards. I'm not asking you to pony up. I'm just saying, if we have more Patreon <laughs> subscribers, we will make more content. But Yes, uh, <laughs> there's a direct relationship between those two things. Exactly. So, Alex, where can people find you? People can find me at A-F-O-S-S-E-L-L-A on Twitter and at Alex Fasella on Instagram and TikTok. We are also at Watch, uh, at watch Mercury on Twitter. Awesome. And you guys can find me on Instagram at Asparaguts. Um, yeah, go follow me. I'll post a comedy clip soon. I got a bunch up there. Go watch them. And uh, yeah, watchfromerica.gmail.com, uh, patreon.com. Please leave us a review. 
yes, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review. We got some lower ratings. I'm a, I'm presuming from some fucking right-wing fucking snowflakes who were <laughs> triggered by the socialism talk. But yeah, so go leave us a review. That would really help. Um, you guys are the best. We really appreciate you writing in. And um, we'll talk to you all next week. Yeah. See you next time. May no one hit on your sister. And better gun through the jungle. <laughs> 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 <laughs>